You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast. In John chapter 9, Jesus does an amazing miracle. This is where he put the mud on the man's eyes, the man that had never seen before, the man born blind, and then instructs him to go off to a pool of Shiloham and wash himself clean, and for the first time he could see. What an amazing moment. Can you imagine seeing for the very first time? But instead of of celebrating, the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, they were angry. Angry because Jesus had broken their man-made law not to heal on Sabbath. And so, instead of celebrating with the man, they harassed he and his family. They accused Jesus of being a sinner. And that narrative is really important as we lead into Jesus' discourse today. And as we look at the next two I Am statements, this week, the door, next week, the good shepherd. Because what Jesus is doing is he's separating himself, he's contrasting himself with those shepherds that couldn't have cared less for the sheep. They couldn't even celebrate with a man who was healed of blindness. You see, the people weren't safe with those shepherds. But Jesus is safe. And in our day, when we're blindsided with all of this nonsensical religious stuff that we hear and prosperity gospel and and, and these different theologies that lead us astray, we must understand there is only one doorway that is a safe doorway to walk into to save ourselves spiritually, and that is Jesus who is the door of the sheep. And so this morning... I want us to understand that Jesus is the pathway. Jesus is the roadmap. Jesus is the doorway to find life like you've never known it. I want you to find that kind of life this morning or rediscover it. So let's take our Bibles, if you would, and let's turn to this amazing section of Scripture in John 10, beginning in verse 1. John 10, beginning in verse 1. Page 896, if you want to grab that Bible in front of you in the rack, or you can go to the Ridgewood app as well. You can just touch media, study guide to today's date. John 10, beginning in verse 1. Now, these two I am statements, and again, today we're just going to do one of them. We're going to talk about I am the door of the sheep, are a precursor to what's called the Good Shepherd Discourse. And Jesus is taking what the people have seen, and they've taken the behavior of the Pharisees into account, and Jesus is going to say, I'm not like them. I'm different than them. I'm a safe doorway. And there's all kinds of sheep and shepherding language here that will help us understand. So let's look at chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, the man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him 
for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, or they do not know the voice of strangers. And so that sets up this amazing statement of Christ. And he uses this kind of language because in this culture, shepherding was very common and still is today. If you drive along the highway, for example, from the Dead Sea up into Jerusalem, where you see all of the desert landscaping, you still see shepherds in the fields everywhere. They're riding camels on their cell phone. It's amazing how iPhones have made shepherding easier in our day. But they would have understood this so completely. Many of the Old Testament figures that they would have been so familiar with were shepherds. People like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Moses. All of those people understood shepherding. And in the Bible, shepherding is all over the place. In the Old Testament, you know the passage of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. In Isaiah 53, 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. And then even in the New Testament, Luke talks about in 15, 1 through 7, how we rejoice when the lost sheep is found. And so Jesus is relating to this culture. He's helping them understand who he is by using this motif, sheep and shepherding. But so far off were the Pharisees, so far gone, so blinded were they, they didn't even understand what he was talking about. They didn't understand the metaphor. Look at verse 6. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. They were spiritually blinded. They couldn't see the truth of what Jesus was trying to say. And so what Jesus is trying to say in this statement is to assure the follower of Jesus that when we walk through the doorway, we will find life, and he is the doorway. So here's where we begin this morning. The doorway is safe for you because Jesus guards it with his life. And so he's not going anywhere. He's not going to run away. He's not afraid. He's smart enough to know who belongs in his sheepfold. And when you're in, you're safe. Why? Because Jesus guards it with his life. And life is assured when you walk through the sheepfold. Now, this is the, the, the first saying of this passage, I am the door. Neil's going to deal with I am the good shepherd next week. This is the third of the I am sayings, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, and now I am the door. So let's read it together in verses 7 through 10. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. There's the saying. All who come before me, and by that statement, he means all of the leaders of Israel that have come before him, all of the, the leaders that led Israel astray, Levitical priests that didn't do their jobs, the rulers that got them, got them into captivity and into all kinds of problems. That's who he's talking about here. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
Now that's a powerful statement. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He will find eternal life. Now, in one way that in my own mind I can illustrate this is I was watching a little bit of the Twins game yesterday and uh, Jim Cott, the former Twins great, was doing the game with Dick Bramer and they were just talking about the old, old days of the old Metropolitan Stadium. And Dick Bramer said something like this. He said, you know, when I was a kid, I'd watch all the games in black and white because I lived in rural Minnesota. And when my dad finally brought me to the first game, I walked through the concourse and I looked out and then there was a spectacular scene and the grass was green. I thought it was gray. But I can imagine that scene. He walks through the concourse, and all of a sudden, everything is spectacularly beautiful. In front of him is this beautiful green outfield and manicured field. Jesus wants to take us through the concourse into that kind of beauty and joy, but he's the only concourse that works. He's the doorway. And when he's talking about sheepfolds here, there's a couple of different kinds that he may have been referring to. The first is kind of a multi-sheep complex that they would have near someone's home or in the town square. Several families would share it. They would have a gatekeeper that was hired. And in the morning, the shepherd would come and he would call his sheep and only his sheep would follow that shepherd. But if another shepherd went into that sheepfold, those sheep would back away. They would not follow that shepherd. And so the gatekeeper had to know who the shepherd was. Because only the right shepherd could come into the sheepfold. And then the other kind of sheepfold in those days was when a shepherd would go into the fields and they would either build a rock formation or they would put the sheep in a cave and then lay across the front of it to protect it. Either way, that's so important to have the right gatekeeper, the right shepherd. Jesus is ta probably talking here about that multifaceted idea because he's talking about gatekeepers and thieves coming over the wall and so forth. Now, here's one thing that's really important as we unpack this this morning, is that he's aiming all of this at the wayward leaders of Israel. He's aiming all of it at the Pharisees. And so, if you, in your own mind, if you can just picture him standing there with four or five Pharisees standing there, listening to this, muttering under their breath, stunned at what he was saying, and here's how they fit into the story. In this metaphor, the Pharisees are the foolish and uncommitted gatekeepers who are not dependable, who were foolish enough not to know who the good shepherds and bad shepherds are. The Pharisees here are the thieves that bring death to the sheep, who hop the walls, who destroy. Jesus gives life. And the Pharisees here are the hired hands who abandon the sheep at the first sign of danger. It's all aimed at the Pharisees. And what's interesting here in verse 10, that common, that common verse, the thief comes to only to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. You can lay that over on Satan if you want. You can use that to describe Satan. But in this context, certainly, Jesus was using it to describe the Pharisees. They didn't care about the sheep. They were there to still steal and kill and destroy their spiritual lives, destroy their joy, put the law on them to serve their own needs. 
Jesus is saying, I'm not like that. I'm different than that. You can trust me. The leaders of Israel were scoured in Scripture. Take a look at this one, for example, from Ezekiel 34.4. You do not want to be described like this if you're a shepherd. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. With harshness you have ruled them. That's the leaders that he's pointing out here because he's going back again to that miracle that wasn't celebrated but instead scorned because it didn't fit their plan. It it got them in trouble with the Romans if there was too much of this going on. So Jesus is saying, you don't care about the sheep. But what the Bible tells us is that Jesus cared so much about the sheep that he was willing to give his life for the sheep. In fact, he voluntarily gave his life for the sheep, which makes him a different kind of shepherd. Look at 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That's the shepherd that Jesus is. That's who we serve. And while shepherds sometimes risk their life for the sheep, Our shepherd voluntarily gave his, substituted his. Our shepherd became sin for us. That's who we celebrate. That's who we follow. That's why he's the only doorway that is safe. So we need to walk through that doorway. And remember, these Jewish leaders didn't get it. They're the thieves. They're the robbers. Our culture can sometimes be thieves and robbers because in our day, we're succumbed by all of this nonsense too. And so we need to understand this point, and that is that Jesus is the only safe doorway. He is the sole means to safety. We have to stand for this as believers. If we don't believe in and stand for the exclusivity of Christ then we are going to leave people outside of the sheepfold and they will be harmed by the thieves and the robbers and those that are there to kill, steal, and destroy their spiritual lives. We must seek the only doorway. And if we want to thrive as believers and if we want to have abundant life and if we want to have peace and joy even in the hardest times of life, then we have to go through the doorway of Christ. He's the door of the sheep. Now, we may not have Pharisees in our day, but we've got all kinds of other things pulling at us. We have have the media, for example, that is selling us on this idea that you're really the most important thing in the world. And you don't really need this, but you want this, and you deserve this. And and by the way, we know that you wouldn't go out and just buy porn, so we're going to seed it into your favorite programs until you're desensitized enough not to even notice, or you're going to rationalize it as being culturally okay. And then before you know it, you're not getting life at all. You're dying. You're being killed by these thieves 
and robbers. Social media does the same thing in different ways. It gives us the thrill of having new friends on Facebook or being retweeted or liked. And we think we're really important and we're making an impact and we, we've got all these networks and we can post all of our really cool opinions that are all new and different. No one's ever thought of them before. And we're so excited. Until one day we wake up and realize that those people aren't friends at all. And instead of coming around us and giving us life, we're, we're dying. We're not living and then there's this whole cultural idea of being, of being the right kind of person. So we end up presenting. We, we line up our family and say, here's my perfect family. Here's my perfect self. And this is what I always look like. And this is what, this is actually what I always look like. Terrible. Our homes are always clean. So please don't drop in because my home's always clean. But don't come now because it's not clean. But you know what? Presenting is exhausting. It's exhausting. And one day we realize that all of that presenting and all of that seeking adoration and all that popularity, it just becomes sand in our hands because our life is drying up. And we realize that our spiritual lives are being sucked out of us because we're trying to be something we aren't. This is what happens if we drift from the door. We need to stay close to Jesus. Because he's the only safe person. Culture's not safe. Jesus is. We need to seek the door to safety. Because Jesus knows his sheep and his sheep know him. And that's the beautiful thing is, is we can always, always know that the sheep is watching over us. And if you are a follower of Christ this morning, you are safe in his sheepfold. He's already given his life for you. Ephesians 5.25 tells us that he loves the church so much that he gave his life for her. And so this idea of being the doorway to eternal life is a remarkable claim by Jesus. And ironically, while the religious elite of the day, while they were protecting themselves without any concern for the welfare of their sheep, Jesus Christ was dying for his sheep. Ironically enough, that the one that cared the most was slaughtered by the ones that cared the least. This is why we love Jesus so much. This is why we celebrate Him. This is why we seek Him. This is why we want to fall in love with Him. And I think this would be the perfect time to stop and have the Lord's Supper together. What we'll do is we'll do the Lord's Supper and then I'll just pop up and we'll just run through some practical application to this. But this is a great time to stop and just celebrate this amazing Savior. So those of you who are manning tables, you can come forward now. So this is an amazing truth. And so I just want to spend a moment walking through some practical ways to live it out because it would be so easy to leave this at a theoretical level, the theologically or in theory, but it's important to live this out and to understand what it means to us every day. So in just a couple of minutes, let's walk through some practical applications of this idea that Jesus is the door of the sheep. The first one seems obvious, but it's really important. Find the door and walk in. Some of you have been standing near the door, looking at the door, avoiding the door, but now it's time 
to give yourself to the door and walk through it. Now it's time to admit that you are a sinner. To understand that you have a sin problem. And to understand that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for your sin and gave himself and broke his body for you. And through simple belief in him, you can have eternal life. You can walk through the door. And you can see the pasture land of eternity and never have to wonder again, what's going to happen to me when I die? It's time to walk through the door. And for some of you that have already gone into the sheepfold, maybe today is the time to reconnect with the one who guards the door. Maybe you're in the sheepfold, but you just feel like you're wandering around a bit. And Jesus is, is you know, you love Jesus, you've given your life to Jesus, but He's kind of just there, and everything else in your life is taking up oxygen. And so today's a good question to ask, a good time to ask the question, what is most important to me? Is it all of the things that I run around trying to keep moving, my my kids, my job, even church, my friends? What's the most important thing to me? Now's the time to examine that and say, Wow, Jesus, you know what? I love you, but hey, I've pushed you aside. And now's the time to reconnect with the one who guards the door and not be conformed to culture around us. Romans 12, 2, Paul wrote this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is what God wants for you. God wants you to find peace and joy and contentment, but you can't be conformed to the world. You've got to decide who you are. Reconnect with the guard, but you've got to find the door first. And then thirdly, another way to live this all out is to live a life of gratitude instead of victimhood, whining and complaining because we have a Savior that has given His life for us. And He's the only door, and we have access to eternal life through Him. Yet so many times as Christians, we complain about everything. Oh, we can't do this. We can't do that. Culture won't let us do this. The school won't let us do that. The job won't let me do this. No, let's let's rejoice and have gratitude in what Jesus has done for us. We're we're past the day when when politics and culture are going to play nice with us. So let's just rejoice in our Savior because He's amazing. And in 1 Timothy, this is you know, what Paul said, godliness with contentment is great gain. Find joy and be content in who Jesus is and stop looking for the next big thing because it's all there for you. The door leads you into the pasture land. And then the fourth thing I would say is we need to help others to find this door. It's so important. If we really care about people... Do we want them wandering around outside of the sheepfold where robbers can get them and thieves can destroy them and their spiritual lives can be drained away? When we're in the sheepfold, we are safe. I mean, if you think of Nehemiah as an example, the people in the city were safe, but they were being harassed around the walls. They were safe. You're going to be harassed, but you're safe. But if you're outside of those walls, you're dead. So we need to get this truth into the hands of our neighbors, our friends, and our families. And when we talk about these lanterns, we're not just putting notches in our belt. These people are people that are coming to know Jesus as their Savior. These are people that are walking through the portal into eternal life. 
And we had lots of lanterns up here last year. Several of those people, even this year, have already gone to be with Jesus. And if they wouldn't have made that decision, they wouldn't be with Jesus now. So it's so vitally important. So as a church, this is why we're continuing to talk about connecting with the community. This is why we talk about community groups all the time. And some of you don't like that. Some of you don't, we don't like community groups. The reason we keep bugging you about community groups is because it's a way to get into the community. It's a way to get into your neighborhood. It's a way to develop friendships with non-believers. And then they start to come to know Jesus. Many of these lanterns are because of that kind of work. We're working on developing a preschool. and It's in the early stages, but we're serious about this because we want this to be a constant presence in our community where parents can bring their kids, and we want the parents to come to know Christ, but guess what? We get their kids, and we can teach their kids about Jesus, and that's exciting, and that's long-lasting. This is why we're getting our youth ministry and our family ministry healthy. This is why we do Wednesday nights. We want to redo our building not because we want to have the greatest building in the world, but because we want it to be usable, both as kind of a headquarters and to bring the community in and say, we love you. We, want you, we want to see you. This is why we want to plant churches. This is why we raise up leaders with our residency program. It's because people need to find the doorway. And as individuals, here's my challenge for you this week. A couple of things you can do to begin to help people find the doorway. First, have one spiritual conversation with someone this week. It can be a simple conversation. It can be, hey, I went to church on Sunday. And they're going to look at you and say, follow up with that. And you can say, our pastor is amazing. <laughs> I'm just giving you some wording, trying to help you out. <laughs> but it can be a simple conversation, some kind of spiritual conversation. could even be a conversation about something that's happening in culture. What do you... What do you what do you think about that pro-life thing they had at Times Square? And, and just start talking about it. Invite someone to church. That's, that's not very threatening. And it might take two or three or four invites. And then you can say, hey, I'll meet you there at the door. Let's come to church together and we'll have lunch together. You, you, can, you can take a friend to a meal during the week and just talk about their lives. And, and, and how you doing? How, oh, really? Oh, you know what? Can I, can I pray about that? That sounds like that's important to you. And you'll be surprised how quickly you can develop relationships. Why do we do this? Because we have a shepherd that is guarding the door who is the door, and he's the only safe place. If we don't walk through that door, we will not find eternal life. We will not find abundant life. So let's steer others toward the door, and let's you and I move to the door and do it with joy and gratitude. Why don't you stand together? I'd like to pray for you this morning. God, I thank you for this beautiful flock that you've brought together at Ridgewood Church. And God, I know there are many, many, many concerns going on in people's lives this morning. I know that there's hurt, there's pain, there's anxiety, there's fear. There's those that don't feel well, those fighting sickness. God, I just pray that you would help us to remember whose we are, and what sheepfold we're in. And that you are a good gatekeeper. You're not going to let someone who's not a shepherd into our sheepfold. And you're going to keep those people from hopping the wall. And we are safe. And God, just help us to remember that as a body. Also, Lord, just drive us forward in mission. Just find ways, creative ways, to get the gospel into the hands of people that desperately need it.
God, I pray for protection from the enemy. I pray for peace. I pray for joy. I pray, God, for unity. And I pray, God, that you would just use us in a mighty way. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.